We're certainly thankful this morning for the presence of each and every individual, for those who are membership by all means, and for those who are visitors, we're always delighted and thankful for all who come our way, and it's our earnest hope that we each can be encouraged and motivated in those things that really are directly from the Word of God. This past week certainly was a busy one in many ways for Denise and me with the various VBSs and other things throughout the week. I did want to express appreciation for your prayers and thoughtfulness with regard to those things to uh, the Flat family that, that visited so many of those things with us, and we're just delighted for your support. Certainly thankful for your encouragement in every way. Today's lesson has but one word for its title, memory. So often we reflect upon the thought of memory. There are songs that often, of course, appreciate the sentiment of it, there are considerations that, quite frankly, touch many avenues related to it. And yet, the Word of God has so very much to say about it. As I tried to do some research in preparation for this lesson, it became rather evident pretty quickly that even modern-day brain scientists know almost nothing about how the human memory works. <laughs> It became pretty evident as you give thought to the specific mechanism that you and I form memories in our brain. Scientists really just don't know how it's done. They know some of the particulars of the aftermath. But today, aren't you thankful that we don't need to appreciate that? But what we do need to do is realize what the Bible has to say about memory and the blessings and benefits that come our way because of it. You'll notice near the bottom of that slide, the Word of God has a great deal to say about it. I'd like to challenge each of us this morning. When you think about the memories in your life, and depending on your age, that may be a lot of memories, how should we be considering those things? In what way should we appreciate, especially in light of our youngsters that are in our midst, what do we want their memories to be all about, and how, how do we want that to motivate them in the ways of goodness and right? As we start that lesson this morning, this next slide will be more of an elaborated introduction. I wanted each of us to think about some of the ways that the Bible talks about memory. And we'll only begin in a general way like this. Memory is extremely important to each person. In fact, there have been those who have almost defined a human being as a person with a particular sum total of memories all the memories that make up your life identify you as unique. They put a foundation and a bedrock in your history and past upon which you now build as the individual you now are. What then comes about is how do we forge those memories in such a way that they would please God? You may notice then near the top of that slide, I was somewhat shocked when I appreciated this number. The Word of God expressly and explicitly refers to memory well over 300 times. That's some total of Old and New Testament. And that, of course, occurs in words like these, words like memorial, words like memory, words like remember. If the Bible refers to that that many times, if it uses that concept that many times, should that not be a reminder to us? about the significance of it in our lives. 
You'll notice beneath that I have just a very small sampling of some of the ways in which those words occur. First of all, in many instances, it is said that God remembers something. Isn't that interesting? In Genesis 8 verse 1, for example, it there specifically says, God remembered Noah. Now at that moment, he was on the ark. The flood waters had already come and that ark was afloat. And the text says God remembered him and remembered those others that were aboard the ark with him. Isn't it amazing in the verses that follow, you and I begin to see the waters going down. That ark will finally come to rest and they will come off that ark. But the fact that God remembered them was the introductory point of that change for matters in that case that was so good. But look at the other one. Perhaps this is one of the sweetest of all. Hebrews 10 verse 17, listen to this statement about God's memory. He says, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Aren't you thankful for that? When you and I obey the gospel, when we approach Him properly and Christ's blood cleanses that sin, He doesn't remember it anymore. He no longer holds that against us. Our God has a perfect memory. What needs to be forgotten, He forgets it. But He certainly remembers what what has not been forgiven. It is with that in mind then, notice the next ones. Those first examples, of course, related to God's memory. But I'm sure you and I are keenly interested in those verses that relate to our memories. I again selected only a handful. In Exodus 20 verse 8, among the Ten Commandments, do you remember any of them that involved memory? God said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Those people, regardless how busy they were, regardless what other particulars might have been the case in their life, come Saturday, they were to remember and to direct their attention to what God had already specified. Today, of course, that has a great bearing and principle upon us on the first day of the week, doesn't it? Are you and I to remember the Lord's day? To, in fact, make sure we hold it in high esteem and honor in our life and heart? Certainly that is the teaching of the, of the New Testament. But let's look at yet another one. In Psalm 103, verse 18, what things are you and I to remember? Well, you and I may remember there. That's a passage dealing, of course, with the nature of one's sins and iniquities. And can't you and I be thankful that we have the opportunity to remember God's goodness? To that, let's quickly finish it at Galatians 2, verse 10. Paul said the apostles urged him to remember something. Remember the poor. Now today, all of those were mere introductory thoughts to remind us of some of the ways in which the Bible discusses memory. Let's close that slide like this. Paul set before all of us a great example. As he spoke about the Thessalonians, as also in 2 Timothy 1 verse 3, he urged and very powerfully said, I do not cease to remember you in my prayers. I guess we could ask this of ourselves. Are we quick to remember our brothers and our sisters in prayer so that they might have the encouragement and the strength to make it through victoriously the challenges and matters they face each day? I hope we pray for each other. I hope we're mindful of each other. We remember one another's frailties and challenges and also, of course, the successes and victories. That kind of statement 
leads us to one more. Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 13, 31, Remember me, O my God, for good. Isn't that a great plea? That you and I might so conduct ourselves that God would remember us for the good that you and I have been able to enjoy. Without doubt, memory is very important to God. And by that I mean our memories are very important in service to Him. At the bottom, look at Joshua 4, verses 3 and following. In the midst of this people Israel, who at that time, of course, were journeying still from the land of Egypt, they were moving toward the land of promise, that glorious land of Canaan. And aren't you still shocked that God would for the moment say, this is what I want you to do. As you cross the Jordan River, I want you, each tribe, to take a rock. And when you get to the other side, use those rocks and build a memorial. Now, doesn't it seem as if there'd be more important things to do than that? There's enemies on the other side of that river. There's foodstuffs to be gotten ready. There's armaments to be prepared circumstances that one needs to make sure you're ready to cross that successfully and in the midst of it all, pick up rocks and make a memorial out of them. Now that word memorial, of course, has the same root word as memory. I want the children of Israel to remember something. I want you to never, ever forget something. And what's more, God would even say in those verses, you make sure to tell your children about this. You fathers and you parents, when your kids ask, what's the pile of rocks for? You make sure to tell them. In fact, you insist that they appreciate what it was that God did to bring them through this river out of the land of Egypt to this land of Canaan. Make sure they remember. Make sure they remember. Today, as we parents and grandparents and others, we don't know what our children's first memory is going to be. And as they age, and of course their little brains are just making all kinds of initial thoughts and memories, shouldn't you and I be eager to hope that as they have moved their way through those early years in life, they already have a foundation of memories that are etched indescribably out of this book. That they remember Bible classes and vacation Bible schools and worship services. And they remember seeing dad and mom on the pew, so reverently and so interested in the things of service, those memories will remain with them. They remember others and what it was like at services where a reverent atmosphere was under presentation and remembering what it was like to appreciate someone who was baptized and the joy that was seen on the faces of all who witnessed it. Those kind of things are so special and memories that are so sweet indeed. Needless to say, in Numbers 10, verse 10, God was so interested in the concept of memorial that every single one of the offerings that the children of Israel offered, and there were many of them, the burnt offering, the meat offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, all of them had an attribute of memorial. The people were to remember something. They would remember God and what it was like to serve Him. As we transition to the next slide... We'll build on some of these ideas by noting some lessons that can be very helpful to you and me today. I hope that as we discuss these next several ideas in the lesson, we can each hopefully say, 
as you leave here today, I really do hope that I can direct my memory and use the aspects of it in ways that truly will help me serve God better. It all begins, perhaps, in Jonah 2 verse 7. We each remember Jonah. He was the one God told to go to Nineveh and preach, and he, quite frankly, not only didn't want to do it, he chose abruptly to go the other way. He boarded a ship at Joppa headed for Tarshish. But isn't it interesting? He found himself in the belly of a great fish because as the mariners threw him overboard, recognizing he was the cause of the great storm, the text says Jonah remembered something. I wonder what he remembered. While he was in the belly of that great fish, he remembered the God of heaven. He suddenly remembered the one from whom he was fleeing. He suddenly remembered with clarity and clearness the very one from whom he was then trying to flee. Then he turned his heart back to God. Two verses later, God caused that fish to vomit him out on dry land. And one more time, he said, Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach. And this time he went without delay. He remembered God. May I encourage each of us, in the midst of your distresses in life, the hard things that you face, perhaps at home, at work, in other places, may we remember God. Take a moment, if, if you can, at that instant. Just pray a simple prayer. Pray for some strength. Pray for some guidance. Pray for some wisdom and insight that you might be able to handle this particular challenge that's now in your way. Jonah was in dire straits, but he remembered something. You and I at this point have had in our heart etched in appreciation that our God is there. He says in Hebrews 4.16, that we may have boldness to come into the throne of grace and find help in time of need. God will provide us help if we'll remember to come to Him. I know we're all challenged though, and I think, well, I'll take care of this. I think I know enough wisdom and I can handle it myself. May we not make that mistake. The Son of God, who of course was closer to God than any other person who's ever walked this planet. And yet he was earnest in prayer. Did he not get up a great while before day in Mark 1.35 and go to a solitary place and pray? If the Son of God needed prayer, and if he remembered his heavenly Father, shouldn't we remember him too? And certainly in those times of distress. But look at another one. What about in Luke 22.19? Every Sunday morning, and also on the Sunday night service, we have the privilege of surrounding the table. And you may notice, the second word on the front of that table is remembrance. This do in remembrance of me, or some tables simply say, in remembrance of me. But that word remember, again, takes us back to the concept of memory. Every part of the service, of course, is very important. And we are certainly aware of the fact then that as we partake of that, Jesus Himself demands when He instituted it, this do in remembrance of me. You and I have to remember something. We have to remember the cross, His body, His blood, that which He endured for us, the grandeur and the loveliness, of course, that's the blessing we have based on it. Are we quick to remember those things? 
May I encourage us in light of 1 Corinthians 11, those who partake of these elements and these emblems unworthily says shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. That's frightening. That's really frightening. May you and I remember striving to distance ourselves from the worldly thoughts of the day, the other concerns that may be in our heart, and to focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ and His body and blood. I believe as you and I think then about the concept of memory, notice then it is a vital part of that aspect of our service. And without that concept in memory, we can't pleasingly take that Lord's Supper. Now we may literally put the cracker in our mouth and we may literally put that grape juice on our tongue. But for that to be a meaningful thing and for God to look upon it acceptably, we have to remember. Look at the third one. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 2, there the language is very intriguing. The very salvation of the Corinthians depended on their memory. Now you and I may ask, how can that be? Paul says, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, do you remember when you obeyed the gospel? Oh, at some point prior to that, you perhaps had heard a number of lessons or maybe your parents or others had influenced you to understand the nature of hearing something. Jesus says we have to hear the gospel. No wonder He said, go into all the world and preach it, Mark 16, 15. But hearing it, notice that implants some truths in our heart. We've got to remember that. You then believe it. Those truths that have been shared with you, you believe them absolutely as they were presented. Not questioning them, not doubting them, but believe them. They're so strong, those memories, that they prompt you to repent of sin. That way of life that I formerly had known, I no longer want to live that way. I want to live now for the Lord. And so I openly confess His name and I'm baptized. But all of that is etched in the thought of a memory. It's no wonder that our youngsters, when they attend Bible classes, though they may be small, they already are beginning to appreciate what is meant by belief, what is meant by repentance, and what that baptism is all about. They begin to associate much, much more. I remember well when Denise and I was preaching in a gospel meeting of all places in Tompkinsville, Kentucky in 2004. That's been 15 years ago now. And as we were coming back from Kentucky, it was Brooklyn who raised the concept about baptism and said, I want to be baptized. That afternoon, we baptized her into Christ. She had already assimilated enough. She knew what was involved in that wonderful obedience and as she did that, she was excited about it, obviously. And of course, Denise and I were as well. The third one, the next one on the list, Matthew 5, 23. There's other aspects of memory that touch the basis of our service today. Consider this one with me. If thou bring thy gift to the altar, and remember that thy brother hath ought against thee, Matthew 5, 23. We each know how that verse ends. Go and make it right with your brother, then come and offer your gift. Did you notice the Lord's usage of the word remember? You and I have to be mindful of how others in their relationship exists with us. 
if I've offended my brother, if I've offended this individual, I can't fully offer a service as acceptable to God as it might be if I don't try to make it right with that person first. You may appreciate then that particular example touches in a dramatic way even the usage of our memory in what could be those matters with others. Let's try the next one. In 2 Timothy 2.8, there's something else we're told to remember. The very placement of Jesus in the annals of history. Now you and I in many ways have a lovely way to try to appreciate that. Paul admonished Timothy, remember Jesus Christ as the seed of David. That is to say, out of the thrust of the Old Testament, the major matter of history surrounds Jesus Christ. It's true, there have been a lot of important men and women who've walked this planet. Kings and officials and others who've done many things. Nobody comes close to Jesus. All of history surrounds Him. He gives meaning to history. In terms of every nation's movement through history, apart from Christ, you cannot make any association. But when He's considered, He gives meaning to the thrust of the movement of nations. Today, may you and I think about that. Isn't it true in Revelation chapters 4 and 5, that book that was in the right hand of God, the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one worthy to take it, loose the seals, and reveal the contents. Jesus Christ and Him, all, and him alone. May you and I remember Him. Each day to live our life in such a way the King will be pleased. But that one leads us only to the next one. In 2 Timothy 2.14, Paul told Timothy another thing. You make sure to remind others of that of which you're convicted. Do you and I do that today? This life of example that we live, this life of Christianity, may we be quick with conviction to be ready to share those wonderful words of memory to others who may ask us. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that's within you with meekness and fear. You'll note again how that requires our usage of memory. As we race near the close of that slide, those who are destitute and those who are certainly suffering, I've listed for you Galatians 2 verse 10. We may add another one in James 1 verse 27. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. Does that suggest we need to remember them? Certainly here we're happy to use the funds of our treasury to support those that are orphans and those that are in otherwise difficult circumstances in life. And we're delighted to be able to use the blessings God has given us because we remember their plight and we remember the circumstances they face. And that's in harmony with the New Testament. Our memories. Aren't you impressed so far how many times the Bible refers to this? And yet we've only scratched the surface. Let's continue that journey like this. We're told to remember our elders. Yes, Hebrews 13, 7, Remember them that have the rule over you. Those men have a difficult chore. 
to keep this congregation strong and steadfast and always directed on the foundation of the truth. May we remember them, praying often for them, praying for their wisdom, their insight, the nature of their decisions. Certainly as we remember them, aren't we reminded? And here we often pray for them publicly in prayer, and that's a wonderful thing. Surely, all that helps us see that our memories are a vital part of our correct service unto God. Let's add to that another one. In 2 Peter 1, verses 12 to 15, four times in that little set of verses, Peter used the word, remember. Now that's impressive. Four times in that short little span of verses. And all the while, he says, as long as I have service in this body, I'll not cease to put you in remembrance. You and I, perhaps you hold it in your lap. What we call the Bible. The Biblos, the books. And yet as you give thought to this book that you and I have, we have to remember it. Wasn't that the lesson text that was read earlier? Brother John just read a moment ago from Jude verse 17. Could I invite you to note again the language of that verse and the strength that's found within it. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles. Jude, as he wrote to those, you've got to remember the words that were spoken to the apostles. You and I thus need to have this word at ready hand. We need to at least have a good sense of what it says. I'm not suggesting we need to have all of it memorized, but certainly have a good working knowledge of what's contained in it so that we can identify, well, that just doesn't sound quite right. There's just something that doesn't seem right about that. Then then that we're ready perhaps to research and find exactly where it is and what's prompting our memory that way. The Word of God. Got to remember it. Notice in Luke 17, 32, one of the shortest verses in the English version of the New Testament. And yet, what great truth is found in it. Let's devote a few minutes to that one. Remember Lot's wife. That's all the verse says. And immediately our mind goes back to the earlier scene in the Bible when we encounter Lot's wife in Genesis 19. Lot, of course, was a kin of Abraham. And here he was living in Sodom, living in a place that wasn't so good. And when God decided to destroy it, you may remember those angelic visitors tried to hasten Lot and his family. you got to get out of town. But they lingered. Sadly, they lingered. And finally, they made their way out. But this command was given, don't look back. And Lot's wife disobeyed. She did what she was told not to do. She was turned into a pillar of salt. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Now, He isn't teaching you and I may turn into a pillar of salt. But what He is teaching forevermore is what happens when you disobey. It never works out well. In fact, if one doesn't change, it's eternally damning. Remember Lot's wife. May you and I never forget what happens when you disobey God. That's certainly one of the clearest lessons in all the Bible. Isn't it? And if we don't do what He says... For the reason He said to do it, the way He said to do it, we haven't pleased Him. When you think about the gospel plan of salvation, 
Isn't it a lovely thing to believe on Jesus, repent of your sins, confess His name and be baptized? To do what He said. That's what He said. Today we're just happy to remember Lot's wife so that we don't make the same kind of mistake she did. The other text in Hosea 8.13 is a similar matter. Now it wasn't Lot's wife in that case. But what happened when they chose to disobey? That was the people of God. The text says, God said, I will remember their iniquities. You see, when they disobey, God said, I'll remember it today. May we thrill at the thought of forgiveness, at the fact that God won't remember those sins that He's forgiven. And thus, perhaps the next one, which in many ways is a horrible concept. Have you and I given as much thought as we might to the horror of memory after death? And I mean memory of the unfaithful after death. I'm sure that the memory of the faithful after death is a, is a rather pleasant thing. But what about the unfaithful? To have lived upon this planet, to have enjoyed breathing God's air, and to drink His water, and to walk on His footstool, but to have disobeyed Him, knowing what He wanted and knowing what He demanded, and to have chosen to disobey it. You will remember that. If there's anything that we learn from Luke 16, it's that. That rich man remembered. He knew what he had had opportunity to appreciate, and then he knew he had failed. Oh, wouldn't that be awful to have entered into the realm beyond this life and remember that one had the opportunity to be saved but chose to forsake it. That has to be worse than awful. And yet, the thought of that memory is also taught in Ezekiel 36. There's actually an Old Testament passage reminding us about that same kind of behavior. May each of us then use our memory to be challenged to live faithfully because we don't want the bad memories after we die. We don't want to suffer them through eternity. As you and I march forward that slide, I chose to list briefly two of the churches of the seven congregations in Asia. The word remember is very strongly a part of the Lord's message to them. May I invite your attention in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 3. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard. Here was a congregation of the Lord's people, and the Lord told them to remember something. They weren't as faithful as they ought to be. And He urged them, Don't you remember what you once enjoyed? Don't you remember the association with me you once had? Don't you remember the strength that was yours then? And He admonished them to come back in repentance. If there's anyone in this audience today that once knew what it was like to be faithful, but right now you aren't, that message is just as needful for any of us in that condition as it was for them. Remember! Those memories, perhaps, from those days of faithfulness, wasn't your life sweet? Wasn't it enjoyable? Because you knew God was with you. And you knew you have an advocate with the Father, and you knew that the strength and power of all eternity were yours. You knew if you died, everything was fine. But you know, in the current condition, if you're not right with God, you don't have that assurance. You don't have that confidence. Your memory has to be bothering you. 
it has to be troubling you because you remember what you once had had and that you no longer enjoy. It is for that reason we can close that slide like this. I've listed those texts both in Ezekiel and in Judges where there are those in the Bible who are in that predicament. They once had known faithfulness, then they became unfaithful. And the text says their memory bothered them. Their memory agitated them. Does your conscience ever bother you? Now that's why God gave it to us. When that conscience is trained correctly, it'll disturb us because of the memories from days gone by. It'll disturb us when we go against the value that it has been given. If any of us reach a point where our conscience is bothering us, it's because memory is having its place. I hope we can each use our memories today to motivate us in proper service to God. And not only that, we'll make more memories of faithful service as the days go on by. I mentioned earlier about our youngsters, hopeful that their memories will be motivational in such a way that they too can serve faithfully throughout life. This next slide will be a very brief one. It's only a very quick encouragement to each of us to use our memory in correct service to God. Implant the Bible and truth in it. That means to associate those matters in your heart and be ready to utilize them in correct service to God. That might mean meditation. The Bible encourages us to do that, to meditate on the Word of God. As you do that, you really are making a positive difference in using your memory. You're etching your memory in ways God wants it etched. Today, I hope as we close this lesson that we've been motivated to first be aware of the blessing of our memory, but to use those memories in right service to God. A song of encouragement has been listed earlier today. If at this point there's someone in the audience and maybe you've never obeyed the gospel, you have never faithfully become a Christian, I hope you realize that your memory, I hope it is bothering you. Maybe your parents instilled in you what it was like to live faithfully, but you just have never done anything about it. Well, let those memories lead you in the right direction based on the truth of the Word of God. If you have become a Christian, though, and you have known by way of memory, you've tasted the good Word of God, but you have fallen away from it. You've allowed other distractions in life, and you've allowed the devil far too much leeway in your heart, and you've started serving him. And maybe you've been jarred into that realization over the last few days. Maybe your memory is already shaking you up inside because you remember what it once was like. To gather with the saints with a clear conscience to worship God and know that He was pleased with you. But you know that it isn't true anymore because your life isn't what it ought to be. Today, you know you could make that right. You don't have to stay in that condition. The God of heaven calls you. He implores for you to come. He loves you so much. He wants your memories to be pleasant and good. He wants to forgive you of everything that stands between Him and you. But He has already made the arrangements to do that. You have to agree to them. You've got to associate by way of repentance and confession with the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you will do that today, He's promised to forgive you. He's promised to put you on faithful standing at the foot of the cross again. 
and you can then serve Him faithfully through the rest of your life. Today, if we could be of help to you, we would want to do that now. For together we stand while we sing.